have to talk with my hands, so if the microphone goes flying, it won't make it as far as you. It'll be Kent's gonna catch it in the front row. And throw it back. Yeah, that's right. It's like a boomerang, you know. Okay. Um, growing up, I loved sea movies. You know, like sea adventures. You're you're on a boat and you're going somewhere. One of the first ones I remember ever seeing. One of the first movies I remember ever seeing because it left an indelible impression on my brain was like the original King Kong, like the 1933 black and white, terrifying for a little kid, you know? And it's not even the King Kong part, you know? I remember it was the sailors in the boat, and there's that long-necked monster dinosaur, not land-before-time kids. It's not like the long-necked things, you know, they're they're a happy family, got to find mom. No, not that. It's like, it's like a monster coming up out of the water, and, it, and it's knocking the guys off the boat and, and, and throwing them around, and, and I'm hiding behind the chair, and, and I can't look away. I, you got you got to see it, and I'm so, so scared, and maybe that's where this, this love for sea stories came from. And then I remember maybe a few years later, I watched the, the Disney 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right? You know, and you got the, the giant squid, the man-eating squid, and they're on the submarine, and... Just, just awesome stuff. And, and I think with that in mind, we're at a place in the book in Acts. You know, we're almost through the entire book. So if this is like your first Sunday with us, it's okay. I'll catch you up. But we're like at the tail end, and it's going to be really good. But it's with that kind of idea in mind, I think Luke writes the following narrative that we're going to look at this morning. I, I think Luke, who wrote Acts, knows that people love a good sea story, you know? We love a good shipwreck. We love a good storm. You get that a little bit in the Gospels, you know? Remember there's a storm on the sea and Jesus is asleep on the boat? Or the one where Jesus is walking on the water? Like, we love sea stories. Now, this one doesn't have a sea monster in it because there's no real mo- kids. There's not a real monster in the sea. That, that's just fake. That's a movie. But But this one does have... A shipwreck. It, it does have uh, potential disaster. Now, to catch you up to speed, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts. We're in Acts 27. The breeze is going to turn the pages for me, so we'll get right there. Um, and to catch you up to speed, I can say this. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a good portion of our New Testament is in trouble. He's falsely accused uh, for bringing some Greek people into the temple, which was very much against the law. He didn't do that, but he was falsely accused because people hated him, uh, and they opposed his message about Jesus. And so he goes on trial, and he plays the Roman card, you could say. What he does is, he says, I'm a Roman citizen, so I appeal to Caesar. If you were a Roman citizen back then, it's kind of like you could appeal to the highest court in the land. It's like you could it's like you could appeal to the Supreme Court. And that would be the emperor. And that's what Paul does. He's like, I want to see the emperor. I want, I want to stand before him. Now, he does that partially, I think, because God told him, you're going to speak about me in Rome. So he's got to get to Rome. He's on trial. And this is a straight ticket there. I appeal to Caesar. So he's on the way there, and they put him on a boat. And he warns them, he warns the crew that things could get pretty dicey on the trip. And he basically tells them, this is going to be bad. I don't recommend you take this course of action. 
but but they're but, but he's the prisoner, you know, like he's the guy on trial. He doesn't really get to call the shots. So they're on this voyage to get to Rome. And like every good sea story, this one has a huge storm and it ends in a shipwreck. So I am in Acts 27, right around verse 13. There is a huge storm blowing up. I mean, it says in verse 14, it says, The wind of a hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down on the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. So they're in the middle of this huge storm, and they're not sure what's going to happen. They're scared they're going to lose their lives, them and everybody on board, hundreds of people on board this ship. And this is what happens during the storm. This is uh, verse 21. After the men had gone on a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you, to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. It's kind of a good news, bad news thing. It's like, good news is you're not going to die. Bad news is you're going to lose the boat. And he says, last night an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now, what what I want to talk about today to you just briefly is the storms of life. I am so glad we don't have a storm today. I I don't need an object lesson, right? You don't need one either. But but you, you and I know we face so many different kinds of difficulties in life. So many different kinds of storms. In fact, sometimes we look at our lives and we feel like this is a shipwreck. Like my life feels like a shipwreck. I don't have control. I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen. Life is just chaotic and out of control. And I want to address address that for just a couple minutes and say, here are some really strong biblical principles for, for how to get through the storm. Now, I want to focus on what the angel said to Paul. Paul says, an angel appeared to me and said, everyone on the, on boat, uh, on the boat with you, will, their lives will be spared. But you're going to lose the boat. You're, you're going to go through the shipwreck. You know, and, and I love what he says to Paul in the beginning. He, he says, the angel says to Paul, don't be afraid. Now, often we read the Bible and an angel shows up somewhere, you know, they say, don't be afraid, I think because they're an angel, and you don't see that, and so it's terrifying. But I also think when the angel says, don't be afraid, that he's saying it because they're in the middle of a hurricane-like storm on the water. And that is a scary place to be. And I'm thinking, even though Paul knows he's headed to Rome, this is frightening. So the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Paul. God is going to grant you all your life and all the lives of the people on on the boat with you. You're all going to be spared. And so I want to start with this. I want to start with this idea. When you are in the middle of 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 a life storm, when you're in the middle of a shipwreck, number one is you ought to take courage in the promises of God. That's what the angel says to Paul. 
Take courage. You're not going to die. Take courage. Take courage in the promises of God. I mean, and I think about this. If I'm in the middle of something really hard, that's what I want to hear. Everything's going to be okay. Relax. It's okay. Now, I, I think I think all of us in the middle of that, we, we want to hear a reassuring voice. When we're kids, we want to be reassured by our parents. It, it's okay. But when the tornado's coming and the, and, and the sirens go off and you head to the basement and your dad says, don't worry, it's okay, we're safe down here, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear a promise. You want to hear reassurance. Relax. Everything's going to be okay. Now, that creates some issues like, is th- are things really going to be okay? Because I've been through some things and it hasn't been okay. Things have not felt okay. Let me say it like this. When, um, I-, I love roller coasters. I grew up loving roller coasters. But roller coasters create a little bit of fear in people. You know how it is? How many of you would say, I don't go on those, they're a little too scary? Let me just see. Okay. How many of you are like, I'll, I'll go on the wildest one ever. Put me on there. I will go. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. So I used to be you. I would be the one. I would go on roller coasters and I would love every second, every thrill, every drop. I mean, even the anticipation. It's just. So one time I went to Six Flags. By the way, I don't go on roller coasters anymore because now I have a little bit of vertigo. And I went on one in Florida. And my, my world was spinning for like a whole day afterward. I lost a whole day of vacation from that roller coaster. And I'm like, I, I just can't do it anymore because it's not healthy for me. So not anymore. But um, one of the things you people that love roller coasters do, because I did it, I was in your shoes, is you try to convince the scared people to go on with you. <laughs> you know it's true. You've done this. Now, when I was dating Christy, she knows where this is going. When I was dating Christy, we were at Six Flags one time. And and she went on all those those little wussy rides, you know, the weenie rides. You know, the, the tilt-a-whirl kind of, uh, you know, those kind of, the merry-go-round. No, no, no. So I said, there's this ride called the Batman. You did? All right. And so uh, I I told her, it's not that bad. Like, it's over in, like, less than a minute. That's what roller coaster fanatics say, you know. Like, it's over really quick. You can close your eyes, and and it'll be, everything will be okay. And I I did my best, and I convinced her. I don't see where she's at right now, but, oh, there she is. You're behind the post. I'm going to keep you right behind the post. And uh, so we went on it, and everything was not okay. Uh, we had a major breach of trust. So you roller coaster fanatics understand that when you tell someone it's going to be okay, and, and, and they're go like even the anticipation of going like you're climbing that first climb and you're click 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 clicking. And she's next to me, and she's screaming before the thing even gets fast. And I'm like, what have I done, you know? We may break up after this. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, you are losing the trust of the person that you said that to. I mean, just so you know. 
they'll never trust you again to, to say things like this. So she did it, and obviously she's alive today, so things are okay. But, but she would say, I'm not okay, and I will never do that again. It's not okay. And she won't listen to me. Okay, so... Um, so I understand there's something about the promises of God that give me courage. That that if you're if you're in a shipwreck, you need to have your Bible open, reading the Psalms, reading the promises in the New Testament. You need to read those things. When when God says, "Take courage, fear not," I am with you to the end of the age. You need to read those things. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the guard in your front and in your back. You know, these promises we hold on to, and they give us courage. It's like hearing God say, relax. I've got this. Everything's going to be okay. And that's an excellent reason to open your Bible and read it. Read it in the storm. It will give you courage to face what's next. It will give you courage to face the drop of the roller coaster. It will give that to you. Now, here's the objection. I'm, I'm trying to set up my own objection here, okay? Because I, I can foresee some of you, and I do it myself. I read the promises in the Psalms about God protecting us. And one of the first things I think is, well, what about the times when it doesn't feel like he's protecting us? Like, I've asked in a church service before, like, how many of you have a story where God protected you? And I see the hands go up. And I've heard the stories where this should have happened to me, but God intervened. I've heard those stories. I've heard about the sick being made well. I've heard all of this. But the question I don't normally ask is, how many of you have gone through something where you felt like you weren't protected? Where God's hand of covering just came off? And something tragic happened. Because I know you have those stories too. And I've heard them. And it's hard to celebrate those and raise our hands and say, yeah, that's me. I had the one where I felt like I've been through the shipwreck. And it'd be easy for me to say, well, look, you're sitting here today, so obviously you made it through. And I, I could say that, but at the same time you'd say, I got the scars though. Or maybe you'd say, I lost somebody, though. And, and I don't want to go through that again. Like, what, what is that? How can you say promises of protection? Well, let me look at the angel's words one more time. And I, I, want, I want to ask you if this makes sense to you. When the angel speaks to Paul, he says, don't be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Now, he says, don't be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar. This is what I hear the angel say. Paul, we got this storm. And I know everybody's scared. But don't be scared because God wants you to make it to Rome. And you're going to make it to Rome. You're going to share Jesus in Rome. That's going to happen. So if I could answer my own objection just for a moment. When I read the promises of protection in the Bible, 
And when those start to rub me the wrong way because I think of things that haven't been protected the way I think they should be. Number two, I am invited to trust that God will protect according to his purposes. I want to say that last line again. According to his purposes. God will protect according to his purposes. We have these verses about physical protection in the Bible. And they're altogether true. He will protect according to his purposes. You ever heard Paul's list of things that happened to him? Like bad things that happened? It beats any list I could create any day. And it probably beat a lot of our lists. This is what Paul says about things that have happened to him. This is 2 Corinthians 11. Paul says, I've worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And do I not feel weak? Who is led into sin? And do I not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I'll boast of the things that show my weakness. Because Paul knows in weakness, God is displaying his strength. In those places that we feel unprotected, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, I have been in danger, he says, in the country, by the sea, in the city. doesn't matter if it's an urban setting or a rural setting. Wherever I go, danger happens. And he says, sometimes I despair of life itself. Like, Paul, you're saying you get depressed? Really? He's like, yeah, I despair of life sometimes. Where's the protection? Well, it's always been there. It's always been there. God has always been with them. And so those promises of protection stand. They're 100% true. God got him through all of those dangers to the point where he's at. One day, history tells us, one day, Paul will lose his head to Emperor Nero. And maybe on that day, did he wonder, where's my protection? Where's my God that's supposed to be helping me? But I don't believe he thought that on that day. I believe on that day, Paul knew every promise was true. God got him through all of those difficult things. And now God's purposes for Paul's life are over. And he can die a martyr. So I'm going to say this to you. You can trust every promise for God's presence and protection. According to God's purposes for your life. There are things God is going to allow to happen. Evil touches our life. But I can be assured 
that God's going to redeem those things and use them for his purpose for my life and for your life. That God's going to use the shipwreck for his purposes, his glorious purposes. The problem is, sometimes I want to be God, and I want to be the director of my own life. And I think I can do a better job. And God gently reminds me, he is God, I am not. And evil will touch our lives, but he will redeem it according to his purposes. According to his purposes. His promises stand firm. They do not fail. All according to his purposes. Okay. I hope I've tried to answer a little bit of how I read the promises of God for safety and security, for protection. Now, what do you do with this? What action do you take when you're going through a shipwreck? I've suggested you open your Bible and you read the promises and you get courage from them. I've stated that we need to trust God in the storm, that he's got a purpose behind it. Paul, if you're going to go to Rome, you're going to be shipwrecked. But you're going to get to Rome, because that's where I want you. One more thing. This is what the sailors do. Uh, the sailors do not trust in these promises. And this is their, uh, they decide they're going to try to get away on the lifeboats. This is kind of the end of our story here, okay? Uh, this is verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let a lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and they held the lifeboat, they held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged all of them to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, You've been in constant suspense and you've gone without food and you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You'll need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they, were, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. So the sailors, the crew say to themselves, I don't think we're going to make it out of this. I don't care if an angel appeared to Paul. Let's act like we're lowering the anchors, and let's actually lower the lifeboat and get in and get out of here, because we're not going to survive this. And Paul says something very practical. He says, if you guys leave, we're all going to die. Now you say, what about the promises of God? You know, you just said, all the lives will be spared. What about God's promises for safety? Not one hair on your head will be harmed. You know, what about all this? There's something very practical about this, isn't there? Like, if you don't trust the promises, you know, if you don't walk by faith, if you don't do this, it's going to require some action on your part. You're going to have to take some action when the shipwreck happens. See, our issue is, when things get hard, we often just want to flee. Get me out of here. I didn't sign on for this. Things get hard in the church you're at. 
We're out of here. Things get hard in your marriage. I got to get out. Things get hard in a friendship. I'm done. Like, this is what we do. We, we, we flee the scene. We flee the scene of the crime, you know? Let's get out of here. For my own safety, for my own security, lower the lifeboats. What we don't understand is often to follow the scripture, to follow what God says, you got to stay on the boat. You got to hang on and ride out the storm. So, yeah. Marriage is really hard. Hang on. Ride out the storm. So this relationship, I don't know what's going to happen. Hang on. Ride out the storm. Cut away the lifeboats. The ironic thing here is the sailors think the safest place for them is in the lifeboats, getting out of there. But actually the safest place is on on the boat in the storm because God is there and that's where God wants them. That's where God is helping them. You can go through a shipwreck and be right where you need to be and God will help you. So I know, I know sometimes we've got to run. Sometimes things can get so bad you got to move on. I, I understand that. And so you say, well, Niall, where, where do I go with this? I mean, you're telling me to stay where I'm at. Maybe I shouldn't stay where I'm at. I've had to move on myself, you know. Maybe not because of a shipwreck, but I, I know the transitional sort of thing. If you read your Bible, and if you say, I will do this God's way, I will follow God's commands, I will follow God's wisdom, even if Following his commands, lead me into a shipwreck. I will do it. Because I know in following God's commands, there is strength there, there is courage, there is hope, there is presence. And I will be saved through this. That's what you do. You hang on. And you ride out the storm. And just like Paul says to the crew, hey, you haven't eaten in 14 days. You've been, you've been so anxious. Just eat something. And I think that's a good word for us. When you're going through this shipwreck and life is like a hurricane, eat some food, you know? Like, do what you need to do to get healthy. Stay healthy as, as much as you can in the middle of it. I mean, I'm guessing these guys have high anxiety over the storm, so they haven't eaten. You need to eat. Or maybe they were seasick. You felt some of you felt that before. You need to eat. Like like get your strength back up. Relax. Everything's gonna be okay. Not one hair on your head will be lost, Paul says. You can trust God. And so they do. But I, but I, I just don't miss the practical part of this. It's gonna require something of me. To live out these promises. I'm gonna have to take some action. I'm gonna have to hang on to something when I wanna run. Let me end with this. This is the conclusion of the story. The last verse is here. It says, so uh, the boat was damaged. You know, they, they, they come up on this, uh, this beach area, and the waves are tearing the boat apart. Um, the whole thing, you know, they start floating into shore on pieces of the boat. 
They're swimming into shore. And the soldiers decide, we got to kill the prisoners, you know, because you can't let prisoners swim away. So it says in verse 42, the soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to the land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. And the last lines of chapter 27 say this. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Let's say it one more time. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Maybe your life has been characterized by storms and shipwrecks. And you've been hanging on for the ride. If you trust in Christ, even if the storm consumes your life, even if the shipwreck results in your demise, you will wash up on heaven's shores safely. Safely. And that is another day you're going to hear the Lord say, relax. Everything's okay. You're finally that's the promise for those that know Jesus. No matter how bad life can get, and if the storm consumes my life, I will wash up on heaven's shores with joy. That's where I will be. And I hope you will be there with me. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes now? Um, if you're here today, and you don't know this Jesus, and you haven't received his promises, the most amazing promise he has made to us is salvation from sin. I have sinned. I deserve hell. Jesus died on the cross to forgive me. And if that's a promise you want to receive today, I would invite you to pray a prayer like this in your heart. Lord Jesus, Today, I want to receive your promises. And in particular, this promise of salvation from sin. I know that I've done wrong and I deserve judgment. But today, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my mistakes, for the times I've disobeyed. Please forgive me. Please wash away my sins. And please help me now follow you all the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for the promise that one day I will be in heaven with you. Thank you for the promise that you will be with me in the storms of life. I pray all this in your name. Amen. And with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I can't see you really well, but I just want to ask, if you received Christ today for the first time, would you look up at me if this was your day? If this was your day to receive Christ? And maybe I'll see if I can, if I can spot you. Anybody? Thank you, man. Anybody else?
pray for you, and then I'm going to pray for our dismissal. And right after this, we're going to head down to do baptism. So you're just heading down to the lake behind behind you, and then we'll have lunch. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the response to the gospel. And I pray for this dear woman that you would strengthen her faith. That she would follow you and believe all that you promised and receive it all, even eternal life. I pray for us. I pray for those that have been through the storms of life and through the shipwrecks of life that you would strengthen them and give them courage. I pray for those that are going through it, even now as as we speak. And Lord, we know that you are the God that can calm the storm with just a couple words. Cease, be still. We know that the storm can just vanish. But we know sometimes you just join us in the storm. And you're just with us. And and, and it it doesn't get calm as fast as we want. And so we thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're strengthening us according to your purposes, according to your good plans for our life. We thank you. We thank you that you're a trustworthy God, that every single day of our life we can wake up and say, God, you are good. Regardless of everything else, you are good. Help us trust you and know that you are God. I pray over these baptisms that are about to happen. May we celebrate well the faith of these young ladies that are going in the water today. We thank you for this great faith. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need some water before you head down to the lake, there's some cups of water over here. Uh, otherwise, we'll 